Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. What if we went back to kind of looking at, hey, what do we believe as the very basis of, of our faith as a church? And so we're going to spend about the next four weeks, I, I have it as four weeks right now, kind of looking at um, the basics of our beliefs. And this is how we're going to break it down. Uh, I'm going to spend three weeks on the Trinity. So the first one is going to be God. Uh, the next one is going to be Jesus. The week after that is going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. And then, as I'm looking at it right now, the very last week, the fourth week, I am going to combine um, uh, salvation, the Bible, and us all in uh, one, uh, one week. I'm, I'm going to try to do that well. And so... Uh, I think it's going to be really fun because as, as we've looked at it, there's been a couple of things. I, I just think that um, in this time, it's, it's really kind of pushed us into what do we believe? Where are we really at in, in our belief system? And uh, no matter kind of what we uh, decide to, to do things, it, it really comes down to what is our beliefs and how does that inform us to move forward? And so uh, this morning, we are just going to enter in right into, uh, into God. And it all starts in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In that very statement, we have a whole bunch of things that we can look at right there. And I'm not going to get into, because we're going to be basic, I'm not going to get into all the theological workings of all these things, but in that one statement, in the beginning, God created. It means that he's always been, he will continue to always be. He is the creator of all things. In fact, actually, we have three O words, right, that we've, uh, we've used for that is omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent, which means that God is all-knowing, he's all-seeing, and he's everywhere, and he's all-powerful. God is the creator of all things. God is the sovereign sustainer of all things. And also, we'll get into this in a little bit, God is just over all things. What does it mean to be just? That the way that God does things is completely right. We can shake our fist at God and say, you're not doing things correctly, but guess what? We are not God. Which brings me kind of to this idea of, uh, of asking a question this morning. And I asked my wife a little bit last night, and I've been just wrestling with it all week. And, and my question to you is this, what, what do you fear? What do you fear? Now, I know that there's a difference between, like, being scared and having fear. Carrie, what do you fear? What do you fear, buddy? Of worms, yeah, that's not on my list. That's not on my list, but I will add it to my list. But I would like to actually talk about that. I think that there is a difference between being scared and fear. Being scared of something maybe means that there's an emotion in us that is going, hey, maybe I need to back off of this, but I don't think that it's ultimate fear, right? Because sometimes we can overcome some of our 
being scared. But in, in the midst of it, I, I, and we're going to go to it a little bit here, but in the midst of it, sometimes I don't know when you, when you actually fear something. I, I don't know if you can get away from it. And let me, let me give you an example. Some of us in here fear regret. We can't do anything about it, right? What if, what if we did something and we regret it? Well, we can't go back and change it. Some of us in this room fear rejection. We do things because we want other people to appreciate us. We fear failure. We, feel di- we fear disappointing people. There's even a phrase out there that we use in our house a lot, right? Uh, and we're pretty sure that our youngest daughter, Ivy, who's only four months or six months old just the other day, uh, has this fear. Uh, she has incredible FOMO, uh, which is called fear of missing out. Um, she will stay awake and awake because she wants to be a part of the action. At six months old, right, she should just fall asleep. She gets it from her dad. Some of us in this room fear death. And then I have some of those other things. Some of us in this room fear spiders. Right, Jory? Yeah. Uh, she can't touch them. Some of us fear heights. Right? We get on a high mountain and we look over and we just can't handle it. Some of us fear what the next day is going to bring. But I have a question for you. Do you, do you fear God? Do you fear God? Because all those other ones that I, that I, that I mentioned aren't fears when you look into a holy and just and righteous God. When you face God who is the creator, sustainer of all things, who is all-powerful, who holds everything in his hands, who knows everything from the beginning to the end, all of those things pale in comparison. In fact, actually, I would say that when we get to the point of coming to God and fearing God, I think it's, not, it's the place that we're truly fear, we, we are truly free to not fear anything else. And what do I mean by that a little bit? In Proverbs 1-7, it says this. Uh, perfect, there you go. It says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. When we start with the basis of fearing God, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but starting in when we have this foundation of fearing God, we begin to look at life completely different. The next verse that pops up is Psalms 111.10, and it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. You have these two verses that start out right away with fear God. I, I look at that and I think to myself going, okay, so hold on a second. Why would they even start with that? Why do I even start with going, this is the basics? Because shouldn't I be telling you all about who God is? But I think there is 
a moment here where we need to kind of come to the point of going, wait a second, what is, like Mickey in, uh, in, uh, in the story that she shared with us, we create idols all the time. We worship other things all the time. And when we have a correct fear of God is when we can actually start moving into a better relationship with God. If we simply let other things distract us from worshiping God, from following Him, from fearing God, we begin to then create the buffet of life in which we simply say, okay, I'm going to have a little bit of this and a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And we don't desire the commands of God then. And so if we're going to talk about basics, I think the very basics of this is simply saying, no, God, we want to fear you. We want to hold on to your commands. In fact, actually, there's an amazing story that I love in Isaiah, and it's in Isaiah chapter 6. And are you able to pull that up, guys? Perfect. So in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah gets swept into uh, the throne room of God. And he's sitting in there, and right away, this is what he says. He says, then I said, it is all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. I mean, right away as he swept up, what's the first thing that he does? He understands that, man, he is completely sinful in front of God. God is here and I am down here. In fact, even further, right? And so if we were to look at that and if we were to kind of uh, sense what's going on is this is fear. I get an experience of God and right away I know that I am nothing. In fact, actually, I am less than nothing. He says, it's all over and I am doomed. In some other verses, he says, woe is me, I should just be dead right now. In the midst of finding and seeing and being a part of an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God, the first response to us should be, I got nothing. God, you are holy and I am not. But here's the thing about coming to the point of fear, I think, is then as we know we've got nothing, God takes over. When we know that we are nothing, that we're sinful people, that, man, our lives are in the hands of God, we can come to the point of allowing him to take control. And this is what happens. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Only God can do that. In the midst of fearing God, we sit there and we say, I've got nothing. God, you are holy and you are are, you've got all the cards. I am laid completely bare. And it's only then that God takes over, sends his angel in this story, which later on we're going to talk about Jesus, but in this story, with the touch of coals from God's altar, his sins are forgiven. 
as I think about that story and I think about the point in which we come to God, how many times have we, in the last five weeks that we haven't been in church, have we let other things take control and not God? How have we let our minds just kind of drift in and out and try to figure out what we're doing and then either complain about it or try to find a way, other ways in which to make sense of what's going on in our life? There are some of you that I've talked to that are just like, hey, my, my life really hasn't changed. Still do things, maybe I, maybe I have to, maybe put some signs up, but really it, it doesn't change much. And there are some of us that this, that this time has been incredibly stressful, that has been incredibly fearful, has been full of worry, has been full of, hey, what do I do next? How do I figure this out? And we've been trying to put everything in this, what I would say, this box of this is how I relate to God. And in this moment, in this time in which we're trying to kind of figure out what's going on, I, just like last week, man, we, we are going to seek God. We don't want to forget that. And so going back to the basics, God is holy and we are not. And even in Revelation 1.17, it says, when I saw God... I fell at his feet as if I was dead. And he says this to us. He says, but he, and his right, he put his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. Even in that very moment, God is taking care of everything because we can't. When we are completely and utterly faced with a God who knows all things and who knows us completely. And we, we don't have anything left but to say, God, man, I'll follow you. You know me, and so I want to know you more. It goes on to say this in Romans 8.31. It says, what Oh man, with these lights, I'm just letting you know, with these lights, sometimes I can't focus on that. So here we go. Uh, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Here is what I love. Because when it comes to fear and it comes to God being holy, yeah, we should fear him. But the next thing is we get to know him. We get to know the character of God and this is where he's at right here. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? We'll look at Jesus next week of how he continually is redeeming us, right? Over and over again, we see from Genesis all the way through Revelation, God is saying, I want a relationship with you. I want to be with you. I will guide you and direct you. Can you trust me? Can you hope in me? Because I don't fail you. And so when we come to fearing God and this verse right here pops up, if God is for us, who can ever be against us? That should embolden us to want a relationship even more with God. It goes into Proverbs 19.23 and it says, Fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord leads to life. It brings security and protection from harm. 
we move on even into Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12, and it says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? It requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in way that pleases him and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. In Ecclesiastes 8.31, it goes on to say, The wicked will not prosper, for they do not fear God. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. I, uh, in, I was in a meeting the other day, and uh, this person in the meeting says, It sounds like no fear is short-term pleasure. Is short-term pleasure. But the fear of God is long-term gain. And I looked at that and I just thought, man, well, wisdom comes out of that. That as we fear God, it's, it's not about the now, but it is about understanding God's purpose. Isaiah later on goes on in verses 33, chapter 33, verse 6, it says, In that day, he will be your sure foundation, providing a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. God is our treasure, and he's working all things for good. And so are we putting our hope in him? In fact, actually, the whole church was built on this because in Acts chapter 9, verses 31, the church, that had, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord. And with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. See, that's the point is as we live for Christ, we are ambassadors. As we live for God, we are ambassadors for God. We are looking at his purpose over and over again and going, hey, would you lead me, Lord? Other parts of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 17 I'll just wait for them. Not as fat. Ooh, look at that. They're faster than me. Uh, respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. The first thing is, is we fear God and then we live in the world in which we find ourselves. And I'm going to skip the Revelation verse, guys, and I'm going to go right into 1 John 4.18. And I love this verse because here's what happens. is as we begin to transition out of this idea that we have to be so afraid that we have to quake in our boots with God that we sit there and we go, no, fearing God means that he's got everything under control and I am not equals with him. I don't get to sit there and tell God what to do, but I do get to understand his character and see how he's changing my heart. And in fact, actually, 1 John 4.18 goes right into this. It says, such love has no fear. The love of God that's bestowed upon us brings us to not having to fear. Because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is the fear of the punishment because we know that we need to be punished. When you are faced with a holy God, you begin to realize, man, I have got 
a lot of problems. But then we see that God is so loving that he says, man, I want to expel my fears. It doesn't mean that we just get absolutely uh, a free shot because God still wants us to know him. But if we are afraid, it is because of the punishment, and this shows that we are not fully experiencing his perfect love. I just want to let you know that when we come to the point of going, I'm going to fear God because he is holy, because he is righteous, because he is just, because he is all-powerful, because he is the creator and sustainer of all things, we get to then look at his purpose. And his purpose is a relationship with us. And Paul, out of all people, knows that. He says in Ephesians 3.18, this is my last verse. He says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. We don't get to start with love with God. We get to start with the fear of God moving into how much God loves us. When we, when we begin to understand who God is, we then can be loved by God. In fact, actually, Francis Chan says this way better than I could. He says, without the fear of the Lord, you are not going to understand why you should follow Jesus. Without a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord, we wouldn't understand the power that's available to us through the Holy Spirit. I have this testimony video that I want to show you this morning uh, of Trinity Cook. And in this video, um, she talks a lot about her earthly father. And I didn't want to get into uh, a sermon about, hey, how God's our heavenly father or anything like that, even though he is. But I find it interesting, the juxtaposition of how she, when she became a Christian, she understood the love for the first time of, of a person who could love her completely. And so I, I, I'm going to show this video to you guys, and then I'll, I'll come up and close a little bit with some, uh, with some closing thoughts this morning. But please watch this video with us. I was raised in Chinook, Montana. Um, my parents, we moved there when I was about five years old. My dad was a ranch hand, and so we moved a lot when I was a kid. Um, we lived about 23 different places by the time I was five. When I was seven years old, my parents got divorced, and I just really didn't see my dad at all after that. He would sometimes come and get us, and sometimes he wouldn't. He'd be too busy. Um, there was one Christmas Eve, I sat on my suitcase waiting for him to come, and he never showed up. He would, he didn't call. He would send presents to me, but not my brother, and so he just played these, these really kind of vicious mind games with two young kids. Um, he left Chinook, and we really didn't see him after that. I reached out to him, I would call him, 
but he never returned that. He never reached back to me. And so for the longest time, I felt that my dad didn't want me. And then when I was in eighth grade, he kind of proved to me that he didn't want me because I wanted to go live with him because I thought that my life would be better if I lived with my dad because my mom had remarried when I was eight and he was a very mean man. He had a lot of demons that he was fighting and we just lived in fear most of the time. And so when I was in eighth grade, I wanted to go live with my dad because my life would be better. And My mom called him up and had me be on the other line. And he said, I don't think that's a very good idea because I'd have to put the cats outside. And I'm very allergic to cats. So I heard my dad choose his cat over his daughter. And all I could think of when I grow up, when I was grown up, is that your parents, your mom and your dad, they are the two people in the world that are supposed to love you more than anything in the world. And my dad chose a cat over me. And so I didn't feel wanted. I I didn't really act out much about that. I just really tried to please everyone and in every aspect of my life. So my mom was married to my stepdad and he was, like I said, he was, he was pretty mean. Um, they got divorced when I was 15 and then he, I, he didn't have a relationship with me anymore. We didn't talk. So I had, even though he was mean, he was the only father figure that I had and then he was gone. And so once again, I felt like I wasn't wanted. When I was 15, I also gave my life to the Lord. I had a, an amazing group of friends and I was at youth convention and it was great. But my mom got remarried again when I was 17 years old and he was, he was great. He was, he accepted me as his daughter right away and he was, he was just a great man, great part of my life, but he died unexpectedly at 58. And so my dad died. So once again, I just felt like men would leave me. When I went to college, I completely, I didn't stray off the path. I ran and got into so many things of this world. And I tried to fill that hole in my heart with, um, alcohol with men who would call me beautiful and who would give me attention that I didn't get anywhere else from a man. So my husband and I got married when I was 22 and I had a lot of a lot of issues obviously going into this marriage and I would wake up in the middle of the night crying and just begging him to let me know that he wasn't going to leave me that he loved me and he was not going to leave and he would just hug me and hold me and say that he was never gonna leave. But I constantly doing this to him and I felt really bad because I figured that probably made him feel a little insecure about how he was loving me, but I just couldn't get over this. We started coming back here to church at Glasgow Evangelical about two and a half years ago, I would say. And that's when I heard Pastor Seth say that he didn't want to get to heaven and Jesus say, I didn't know, I don't know you. 
And so I went home that night and I prayed and I woke up one morning in March of 2017. It's only been about a year, I guess. And the Lord put it on my heart to start a prayer journal. And so I went to Pinterest because I had no idea what a prayer journal was. And I looked how to do a prayer journal. And I found all kinds of things, but the biggest thing I found was ways to pray for myself because I'd never prayed for myself before. I always prayed for my kids and my husband and, you know, bless my family, that, but I really started praying for myself and I prayed that I would become closer to God. And I prayed that, I prayed that I would show others grace because I've been shown grace. And at first that was more of a, for my kids and my husband, because I had a, I have a little bit of a temper and I didn't wanna lash out. And so it was for them, but then later on, I found out that it was for my dads. So I, I was talking to my friend one day and said, God wants me to forgive my dads. And she's like, okay, you should. And I said, yeah, well, I, I told him I did. But he said, well, I want you to tell them you forgive them. And I, I argued with God. I said, no, I'm not going to talk to him. I haven't talked to him since I was 18 years old. I hadn't talked to either one of them. And, and he said, but you need to talk to him and you need to tell him that you forgive him. So I decided that I needed to be obedient and but I was chicken about it and I wrote a letter to my dad and just told him that I forgave him. I forgave him for the hurt. I, for, I was letting it go. And I called my stepdad. I knew from talking with my younger brother, and that's his dad, I knew that he was a Christian now. So I did call him because I knew it was safe because he was a Christian and, and that that bridge has been healed. And we actually talk quite often now. Um, my biological dad, it's a little bit, a little bit harder and it's a little bit of a longer road and I just continue to pray for him every single day. My earthly fathers failed me miserably, absolutely miserably, but that didn't have anything to do with how my heavenly father felt about me. And once I got to that point, once I separated the two and was able to understand that and receive that love, I think is when I, I was healed. My story's a ton of people's stories. Like there are so many people that grew up with really crappy dads, really crappy stepdads. But the amazing thing about all this is, is that my entire life, I was this hurt little girl. I was this little girl that nobody wanted. I was a little girl that was just kind of pushed to the side. And I realized, I discovered, God showed me that he chose me and that he wants me and that he loves me. And the scripture I just keep going back to is, I have to read it is 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I really feel, I know that God has called me out of the darkness and I am basking in his light right now. And I just remind myself if I ever start to feel down that I am his chosen people, I'm a royal priesthood, I am the daughter of a king. I think that the start of fear is the start of being able to trust God. Um, it means that we look at our own lives and we begin to go, I need, <clears throat> I need to take on the purposes of God. We live in a world in which <laughs> there is so much sin. And we live in a world in which <clears throat> trusting God is not the first thing because I think that right away when we look at fearing God, we, we know that our lives have to look a bit different. That when we come to the point of going, I, I'm fearing you, God, because <clears throat> I know your ways are better. There's, there's a certain point in which we turn and we actually have to be faced with ourselves faced with what's really going on in our own hearts. And maybe at that point we need to really go, do I fear God? Or have I just put him in the buffet of life and I pick him up when I want? And here's the purpose of God is, is right here that you see all of us have sinned. That if unforgiven that sin separates us from God for eternity. But God loves the world so much that he gave his son so that anyone who believes in him would never perish but have eternal life. You see, here's, here's the thing right here, that Jesus, God in the flesh, he came as one of us, modeled a perfect life for us, died because of us and rose victorious so that any one of us by faith in him could be forgiven of our sins given new life because we're turning and we're trusting God and our lives are given power to live to honor him every single day and one day we'll spend eternity with him it's not treasures now it's treasures forever and if you've never put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins you can do that right now you can do it today you don't have to wait you can simply say God I'm trusting in you God I have I have not feared you and I am turning from my ways Lord would you forgive my sins you see, the thing is, is that that prayer doesn't save you, but Jesus saves you, and your prayer is simply an expression of your faith in Jesus. For those of you who have given your life over to Christ a long time ago, my, 
my question to you, and this has been the question for me all week long, is where have I not feared God this week? Where have I taken things into my own hands? Where have I not put myself in a position just like in Isaiah when he's in the throne room and God goes, I have a purpose, I have a plan, can I, can I send someone? And Isaiah's right there going, and God, send me. Have I put myself in that position to go, God, send me this week? Or have I just simply said, God, this is where I want to go? If you've been in that position because you've given your life over to Christ a long time ago, would you maybe spend this opportunity to say, God, man, I'm sorry. Come, we're coming back to the basics, Lord. You've got everything under control. My life is in your hands for eternity. I'm turning from my own ways and I'm trusting your ways. Would you pray with me this morning? For those of you who have never prayed that prayer, would you, would you simply be okay with praying with me this morning? And if you have, this is a great opportunity for you guys to even come back to the basics. And so you can pray in your hearts or out loud wherever you are. Lord, you are holy. God, there is none like you. And I am sorry for not fearing you. I am sorry, Lord, for my sin against you. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of your sin because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. Lord, I want new life. And so, Lord, I am trusting, I'm turning from my old ways and I am trusting your ways. And whatever comes my way because of that, Lord, I know that you have all things under control. And so, Lord, take my life. Send me. And I just want to say for those of you who have just prayed that prayer for the first time, tell somebody, please. Share it from the mountaintops because it's the best decision you have ever made. And Lord, I just pray that you would solidify in our hearts our desire to know your ways more. That in that piece of scripture that says fearing you is the beginning of wisdom, Lord, we, we want your wisdom, we want your ways because we know those are the best ways. So God, would you help us to follow them? In your holy name we pray, amen. Thanks, we love you all. Have a great rest of the week. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.